Let's just pray and go home after that, right? That was good. That was awesome. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm actually out of here now. No, um, some of you will probably really enjoy that if that was the case. Uh, guys, welcome back to church. Um, Thanks for coming back around. Uh, let's go ahead and just break right on into it. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, and so if you're into those type of preachers, I'd like to give you one scripture. That's not going to be the case today. Uh, you're going to kind of get blown up with scripture today, and that's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I try not to kind of bore you. And so if you have your Bibles, let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was going to be at. The whole chapter of chapter 12 is what we're going to be looking at today. It should be good. If you don't have a Bible, you can go ahead and uh, get on under your chair. There should be one there as well. And there should be some on the screen behind me if you do. Um, also on Facebook, you should be able to get on there. The scripture should be posted today. If not, you can go ahead in there and just check in and let everyone know that, that everything is going good here at Impact City Church. Uh, let me just say this. Give a round of applause to Amanda and Jessica, please. Um, Jessica uh, wasn't able to make practice this week. She came in. I was like, hey, can you sing? She goes, yeah, I'll jump right in. And so she just jumped right in. Amanda has been feeling kind of kind of uh, kind of sick this morning too and so she was kind of like hurting when she walked in and so uh, just give them a round of applause they really tried their butts off and really worked their butts off to make this happen and so thank them for that we're short keyboard player and cajon player today everyone's kind of out of town and so um, you know worship is not pretty all the time in our eyes but in the eyes of the Lord is always good amen and so we just you know we give our all to God and you know just we worship him with that so we're in the middle of a series called We Are the Church. We are the church. And as you heard from the spoken word, there's a lot to what being a church really is. And last week, I asked us to kind of challenge, I kind of challenge y'all to forget what you thought church was. And to forget about all the tradition that you've heard. Forget about all the bad times you've had in church. Just forget about what you church, we thought church was and look at the scripture and compare what you are and who you are as a Christian to what the scripture looks like and see if that's what the church looks like in your life. Like, because we have messed up the church over the years. I am a firm believer that over the years, us as humans have done kind of a, the best we can, but I think along the way, we've kind of lost the meaning of what church really is. And just like a story that gets told time after time, like down the line, down the line, it has changed from what God originally had it. So the purpose of this sermon series is to not, you know, redefine what church is, but to refine church back to the way that God originally defined church to begin with. And so we're going back over the scriptures and we're going, actually going through our ownership covenant to figure out what is our identity as the church, who we are. What do we do? What are we supposed to be living like? In week one, we talked about what the importance of uh, being part of an actual committed community, the importance of that was. What was the importance of being committed to a church? And we said that the argument is that a lot of people will not commit to a church, but it's not because they feel like it's not needed. It's because the culture nowadays says that we don't need to commit to anything. We said that most people won't even get married because they're afraid of commitment. That's the same reason why people don't commit to the church is because they are afraid of the responsibilities that are involved in being committed and involved and intertwined with the fabric of an actual, real, good, living church. And we said it's important to be involved in the church. And we gave great reasons. One of the reasons that we said it's important to be involved in church is community. Here at Impact City Church, we preach community. None of us should ever have to do anything alone. The other thing we talked about was the importance of accountability. That whenever one of us screws up, and we do it very often as people, especially me as your pastor, there's someone that say, hey, you screwed up. 
We love you. We want to work with you through this, and we want to walk alongside you. That's the, some of the benefits of being a part of a member of a church and being there for each other. Then last week, we looked at the vision and the mission of Impact City Church as well as baptism and prayer. And we said that the, vi- the vision of the church, a vision of Impact City Church, was that we wanted to impact Corpus Christi with the love of Christ so great that the city as a whole would see positive change. And we said that that positive change was that we wanted to win the city for Christ. For God's sakes, we were called the body of Christ in Latin. It's Corpus Christi, body of Christ. We should act like that. And we said there was lots of churches in Corpus, but there's room for so many more churches in Corpus Christi. And we just wanted to be a church that reached them. The, re- the way we're going to do that, the mission, and the way that we're going to reach our vision was that we're going to live in biblical community and meet the physical and spiritual needs of our city. That means that we weren't going to be a church that simply set up a tent and had a revival and then left town. That we're going to be a church that took our hands and dug them deep into the soil of Corpus Christi and brought up roots and plowed the earth and invested Jesus Christ into it. They said that's what we wanted to do as a church. We said the reason we were going to do that was we're going to live life on life with everyone that we could, which means that you're going to have a lot of messy times, which means that your ministry is every day. Which means that when you go home, the people you meet, the, the, the people in your kids' soccer team or baseball team, whatever, the people in your, in your office or where you work, the people that you meet at the grocery store, those are the people that you are investing time into as much as possible. Church, for us, is not something that we do one day out of the week. It's something we do 167 hours a week. It's a constant thing that we do. If we were to limit ourselves to one hour a week, that's 166 other hours that were never going to be used for the gospel. We said that, that uh, one of the ways we're going to see this come about is through prayer, that we're going to be a church that prays for each other, that we're going to be a church that is constantly in communication with God. As the Bible says that we are to pray without ceasing, that be there. And we're also going to be a church that baptizes people into the family of God, into the, the fold of, of, of our good shepherd, that we're going to be a church that does that. Now this week, this week we're going to be talking about unity through diversity. That we're going to be unified through our diversity as a church. And, then, and as we do that, we're also going to talk about that in doing so, we're going to do it through attendance and through serving the church. Now, this is the common theme throughout 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The whole chapter is about this. The Apostle Paul has been writing letters to the church. And throughout the whole time as he's writing letters to the church of Corinth, he's outlining certain things that the church needs to know. Not just the church, but just Christianity in general. And he starts off the letter with a celebration about the gospel. And he starts talking about how awesome Jesus was and how incredible it was that he was able to give his life for us. And that's how he, he kicks off this letter. In, at the end of the letter, he actually talks about the resurrection of Christ. And, and he kind of brings that topic up. And it's so great. But along the way, he hits up hot button issues between the first and the last chapter. Hot button issues like sexual immorality. He talks about stuff that stuff that the church does not want to talk about nowadays. He talks about divorce and what that means and there's forgiveness and grace in that. He talks about idolatry and, and how we can be so quick to make idols of things in our lives and put God in the back burner. He talks about suing other believers and taking other believers in court and having discord amongst each other. He talked about the importance of biblical marriage and what it really means to be married to someone in the eyes of God and the commitment that that person has for one another. He talked about that. And he also talked about divisions and disputes in the church and how to handle when two people in the church are fighting and in the Baptist church, we do that very often. Just who we are. 
Is that my casserole dish? No, that's my casserole dish. No, it's my, you know, my casserole dish. <laughs> but specifically, here in chapter 12, we find him outlining various gifts of the church. And he talks about the importance of using those gifts in the context of a healthy local church. And that's where we're at today. So if you, if you would please just read along together as we look at the unity and diversity of this beautiful mess we call church. Started off in verse 4. The Apostle Paul wrote this. So now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all to everyone. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the, coming, for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the other the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to the other faith by the same Spirit, to the other gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to other various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of those tongues. And all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who points to each one individually as he wills. So in verses 4 through 6, you can see that the unity through diversity that Paul is talking about is very clear. That there is a, a unity that's involved through one spirit, but there is a diversity. There's very many different gifts. Check it out again. He says that now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all to everyone. Lots of different things, but one same God. Paul then goes on to state that the reason for all of this diversity, the reason why there's such a diversity in the church and in the people who make up the church is there is a united, they are united for one purpose, and the purpose is the common good. Verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The common good. Everything that you are serves a purpose. Everything that you are serves a purpose. Everything, all of your characteristics, all of your personalities, most of you have multiple personalities, all of you serve a purpose in the church. Everything that you are, your DNA, the structure of of who you are is made for a purpose here in the church. Now, where we tend to mess it up and where we tend to get off path is whenever we, we feel like we are called for a purpose, But many of us will tend to use our gifts and our abilities, not for the purpose of God, but for our own selfish motives, for our own purposes. I see our minds are pre-programmed to sinfulness. All of us are. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. So your child that is just recently born is already born with a sinful nature. You don't believe me? Ask them to share their toys. They won't do it. Or ask them if they're lying to you. Most kids are already, no one teaches them how to lie. They just do it. There's a sinful nature within all of us, and that is why we all need a Savior. But our minds are pre-programmed to that. Our minds are pre-programmed because of the fall of man. Because of that, we use our gifts and our abilities, not for the purpose of God, but for the purpose of ourselves. It's a selfish lifestyle where your purpose is not to die to yourselves and to serve the church, but to serve, uh, but rather to serve ourselves and grow your own kingdom versus the kingdom of God. That's the difference. Ultimately, that's not what we are designed to do. We're not made for that. We're not made to be self-seeking. 
We were made to worship something. The reason why we worship other things is because there is a hole in our heart that is desiring to do something and to worship something. But if we don't fill it with Jesus, we're simply just investing in empty accounts. You were not made to worship yourself. You were made not to be simply successful in life. You were made for something so much more. You were made something for so much more. You were made for more than just life in a beautiful home. You were made for more than to drive the best and newest cars out there. You were made for more than to work the job of your dreams. You were made for more than to live the American dream that says that if you have this much in your bank account, this much of a home equity, this much in your car, then you were made for more than that. You were made to surpass that, but not the way you think so. You were made more than to just die peacefully in your sleep with your friends and family surrounding you. You were made for more than that. You were made for more. You were made for more than that petty, petty little things. Paul Lair goes on to say in the book of Ephesians, you don't have to turn there, just in the layer in the book of Ephesians, he says that we are God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece, not God's second-hand, low-me-down thing that he created on the side. No, we are his masterpiece. The one thing that he created that is just marvelous and great, better than the mountains, better than the depths of the ocean, better than all the amazing creatures out there who don't even, you know, who, who never go with disrespecting God. We are his masterpiece. And because we are his masterpiece, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things that he has planned for us long ago. He made us for a purpose, not simply to exist, not simply to just have the best in life, but he made us for a reason, that he, a reason that he has planned so long ago, since the fall of man. He has created us for a reason. That phrase, the common good, in this context here in 1 Corinthians is actually referring to the church. The church as a whole, which makes perfect sense. Because if we are called and created for a serving and for a purpose... And our servant is to, 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 our purpose is to serve the church. It makes sense because we're called to love Jesus. And the church is the bride of Christ. And you cannot love Jesus if you do not love his church. Now, the bride of Christ can be, you know, temperamental sometimes. Believe me. The bride of Christ can kind of hurt you at times. But ultimately, that is Christ's bride. And we're to love the church for who she is and all of her beauty and all of her ugliness and her mess. We are to love the church, and that is our purpose. So what does it look like? What does it look like? How can people who are created for a purpose, that are vastly diverse in different, different ways, come together for the unity of the common good? How can we do that? Let's keep reading. We can see here in verse 12 what that looks like in the context of the church. Verse 12. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. That's the importance of baptism again. Both Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, were all made to drink of one spirit. And verse 14 says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong in the body, that would not make any less a part of the body. If the ear were to say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, which would be kind of freaky, if the whole body were an eye, we would be in the sense, where would be the sense of hearing? 
And if the whole body were an ear, which would be kind of gross, thinking about the earwax, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. In all were, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you. Nor again the head say to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And to be unprincipled parts be treated with greater modesty. With our more presentable parts of the body. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that has lacked it. And there are many, and there will be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, then all of them suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You, it says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Diversity and unity. Diversity and unity is, the, is able to be done when we realize that, that, that we are made to be members of one body, the body of Christ, the church. Now your, your diversity, now you're diverse because you're, you're, you're different and there's different things that you do as a church. We're all designed for a specific purpose and it's a different purpose than someone else, all right? And so everyone in the church has, a, has their own calling, has their own thing that they do, okay? So while some of you may be good at serving through singing and praising, okay, some of you, well, let's just, let's just say that's not God's calling for your life. I mean, obviously. Like, I think a coyote in a trash compactor might sound a little bit prettier noise to the Lord. Of, of, I mean, anyway, so while some of you might be good with kids' ministry, and you might want to serve in Kid City, others, well, I wouldn't want my kids around you. Like, straight up. Like, being honest here, we're the church. We're a beautiful mess, you know? But you may want those people watching over the church as part of, like, a guardian team or something. You know, the big, bad biker dudes, you might not want them with your kids, but you definitely want them watching over your kids. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, you may be terrible at talking to people and welcoming them, them into, the, the, uh, into the door. You may be not be good at being part of the brew crew that we have here, the people who make coffee and welcome people in. But you might not be the best for that, but you may be good at serving in the media room where you feel at home in the back away from everyone in the church, kind of quiet and, and, and just you know, privately serving the church behind the scene. Okay, we're all called to pray daily as well. You call, you're called to pray daily and maybe you're more of a, a prayer word than others. And maybe that's your calling. Now your calling is to simply intercede for prayer for all the church. Maybe that's what you do. Here's the one thing I'd like to see more of. Maybe God has called you to be a pastor. Now before you say, no, pastor, not me, not me, there's no way. Let me remind you that about 10 years ago, I said not me as well. This church needs leaders, men who are willing to die to yourselves and sacrifice everything you are for the furthering of the kingdom. And there are some of you in this room who I know are called to do more than what you're doing now, and you're simply running away from it. That's what you're doing. You, you don't like the way certain things are ran. You don't, you don't feel equipped to do it, and so you run away from that thing. 
But I want you to know that the more you run away from God, the longer it's going to be to be happy in life. Whoever you are, whatever your gift is, there is a place for you here at Impact City Church. We have so many needs out there right now. So many needs. Thing is that none of this will work out though. The church, none of this church is going to work out though if we are not united and connected to the head of the body in Christ Jesus. None of it. Look at verse 27. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are connected to Christ. We as a church have not have to be connected to Jesus Christ at all times in our life. If we are not, then we are merely going through the motions of Sunday morning. When we are connected to Christ, the church, the church as a whole sees great things happen. Great, amazing things, unbelievable things, unexpected, extraordinary things in the church. Check it out. Verse, uh, just keep reading. Verse 26 again says, If one member suffers, then all the members suffer. Because you're connected, you're in unity. If one member is honored, then all the members are honored together. Now, if you're the body of Christ and individually members of it, and, the, and God has appointed that God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping and ministering in various kinds of tongues. Then all our apostles, are, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers. Do all do miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly, they all desire higher gifts. And I will show you more, still more excellent way. Paul is saying that even though we're all called to diversity, if we're working together, I will show you there is more excellence in you than if you were to be working separately. You don't all have to be prophets. You don't all have to be teachers. You don't all have to be interpreters or whatever it is. You don't all have to do that. But if you work together, there is a more excellent way to do things. You know, it amazes me. I was thinking about that this morning. I saw an article about this this morning. It It amazes me. At the speed at which churches are being planted and being grown in the most oppressed parts of the world. I mean, they're growing at a rapid rate. If you look over at India, China, the Middle East, places where it is illegal to worship Jesus Christ, hundreds of churches are being planted every year. They're starting up underground. They're growing and growing and growing. Along with that, hundreds of people are being healed from disease and illness. Hundreds of them. People are being raised from the dead. There's cases of that coming on. Miracles are happening. The church is growing. And yet we sit here and we wonder why nothing is happening in our city. We sit here. We, we're not, why aren't we seeing things like that, we say? Pastor John uh, from Cornerstone Atlanta said this. He said, the church will never fulfill the, its purpose unless every person is involved. Not just a few Everyone. Can you imagine having a task at hand? And you're fixing to go do your task. And as you walk up to whatever you're going to do that requires a lot of work with your hands, one of your hands falls off. How are you going to do that job? You're not going to do it very well. Can you imagine running a race with one foot? Can you imagine having to think your way through something with only half a brain? I'm not talking about the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. You know, can you imagine doing something like that? 
The body as a whole was designed by God to work in unison with each other and most effectively when we're doing everything together. The church will soon fail if all the members of the congregation are not involved in some way or another. We had a meeting about a year ago at Impact City Church before we came in over here and I said in front of everyone, either step up or step out. And they were like, how can you say that? How can you just say step up or step out? Because if you're simply coming, if you're a guest, we want you here. We want, we want to welcome you. You take, you know, take some time to get involved and, and listen. But if you've been here like a year and you haven't done anything, you're not getting involved, then this isn't the church for you. Because this is a church that's going to live together in community and do things together. Can I get an amen on that? Listen. Are you involved? Let me ask you. Are you involved? Like I said, if you're a guest, we welcome you here. Take your time. But if you've been here about a year and you're not involved in some aspect of the church other than Sunday morning and coming and just sitting here and then getting up and walking out, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to just, I want to support you in being more involved and pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to do something bigger and better than simply coming to church, hearing a crazy guy yell at you, and then walking out that door and living your life the way you want to. I want to challenge you to put Jesus and his mission first in your life. I want to challenge you to put Jesus first in your life. You're like, well, I already put Jesus first in my life. I'm here, aren't I? No, I mean every day in your life. I want to challenge you to serve the church before you serve yourself. I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you to worship with your brothers and sisters of Christ before you go worship your other Sunday morning gods, your barbecues, your your beach retreats, your vacation, and your football teams. This is a hard one for me because I worship the Cowboys. You know how hard it is to have a Sunday morning service at 11.45 and miss those 12 o'clock Cowboy games? That sucks. But believe me, if you're a Cowboys fan, this is where you need to be, to be praying for them constantly. You Patriots fans have no idea what that's like. But challenge you. Challenge you to lay your life at the hands of Jesus and not simply receive, but give back. Not simply come to church to receive something, but come to church to be something and to give back. Listen, if God had to give up his one and only beautiful beloved son to receive us in return, how much more should we give back to God to receive God in return? Think about that. Serve the church. Come to church. Be the church. Let's pray. Father God, we uh, Father God, we just lay ourselves at your feet today, Lord. We just lay our lives at your feet, Lord. We know that we are not perfect by any means; that we are a people that is constantly struggling to do better in our lives. Lord, I just pray that we would just be a, a, a body of believers that is not full of just hypocritical Christians. That we are not a body of believers that is not full of just mundane, ordinary absent-minded Christianity that simply comes and self-seeks and does not reach out to the poor, the broken, the needy in the darkest places of our world. 
Lord, may we be a church that is constantly dying to ourselves for the good of others. May we be a church that, that sees opportunities and sacrifices our comfort to achieve those opportunities. Or we be a church that gives. We be a church that, that gives our time, our talent, our finance, and whatever we need to give to see the kingdom grow. May we be a church that does this. Lord, and I pray that you, above all else, may we be a church. May we be a church that puts you first in all of our lives. May we never be contempt with ourselves. May we constantly be content with putting you before ourselves as your body. Lord, we love you. Lord, we praise you. To Christ's name we pray. All the God's people said, amen. Let's, uh, let's, let's all stand and worship one more time.